You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everyone? Nick Filato of Big Blue View here, joined by Chris Flum, and this is the Chris and Nick Show. And today we are breaking down the Giants' seventh overall selection in the first round. Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. And Chris, I'm pretty excited to finally have a tackle next to Andrew Thomas that isn't Nate Solder. And you know what? Nate Solder, great guy, all of that jazz. But he was just over the hill in terms of playing football on Sundays. But now the New York Giants have a duo of Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal at tackle. How do you feel about that? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the two guys, they're young. They're big. They're they're very athletic, particularly for their size. And they still come into the league with a fair amount of experience in a, we'll say, pro-stylish offense. You know, the offenses they ran at Georgia and Alabama, respectively, they aren't exactly pro-style. Pro but also, the lines between pro and college offense are blurring. So, you know, kind of whatever there. You know, basically, I expect Evan Neal to come in and be good, which is something we haven't been able to say for a long time. It really has been a long time. And I was thinking about before the podcast, you have Justin Pugh, which was solid. You brought his name up. And then obviously Kareem McKenzie. But other than that, Kevin Booth a little bit here and there, the Giants have been looking for a true solution at right tackle for years now. I actually think Mike Remmers was probably the high point over the last, what, seven years at right tackle for the New York Giants, which Mike Remmers is an okay player but that's not necessarily something to write home about. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, who else have they had? You know, Nate Solder, like you said, great guy. Absolutely rooting for him from a personal standpoint, just, you know, human to human. But he wasn't a great right tackle by any by any stretch. He was a disappointment as a left tackle and just got worse on the right side. Matt Parrott has yet to develop, and he got hurt. Uh before that, it was uh, Chad Wheeler, who, yeah, and <laughs> Eric Flowers, who, honestly, he was never really given a chance to acclimate to the right tackle position before he was benched and cut. So, yeah, it's pretty much Justin Pugh and then uh, K-Mac. We're forgetting Bobby Hart, too. Oh, ah. uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Good old Okay, Bobby. we can continue to forget him. Yeah, seriously. It hasn't been pretty, but now with Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, Chris, off the top of my head, I don't believe there is another team in the NFL with two top 10 picks invested in their tackle position. I don't think there is one. Not one's coming to my mind. No, not. Well, I suppose you could make an argument for Dallas with you know, Lyle Collins probably would have been at least a first rounder, if not a top 10 pick, if it weren't for all of the things that went on just before the draft that caused him to drop and eventually just tell teams, you know, don't bother drafting me. I won't play for you. 
Yeah, he's not there anymore, though. He's now in Cincinnati, which is... That's true. Yes. Yeah, which is also something that's pretty good for the New York Giants. But let's dive into Evan Neal's skill set here. I'm excited for him just being here. I mean, that's awesome in and of itself. I'm excited to watch in rookie minicamps and minicamp him against Kayvon Thibodeau. is going to be a really fun storyline to cover all throughout summer and basically all throughout their entire career, both really high upside players who have a ton of potential. But I think the biggest vulnerability of the New York Giants offensive line over the last several years, especially since Daniel Jones has been the quarterback, was the ability to pass protect. And on the right side, Nate Solder was a turnstile for a lot of his career here in New York, specifically on the back end, and even a little bit before the 2020 season in 2019 when he was playing left tackle for the New York Giants. But that's neither here nor there. Now you put Evan Neal in to help the pass protection what do you think he's going to offer and what should New York Giant fans expect from him year one? Do you think there's going to be those rookie bumps like there were with Andrew Thomas? Yeah, I don't expect it to be quite as bad as it was with Andrew Thomas, just because I hope that the coaching will be better and that the Giants coaching staff will really make a point of picking blocking schemes and coaching techniques that cater to the young guys where th- there isn't that extreme culture shock where they aren't you know, basically being forced to completely renovate their technique their rookie year, where you know the coaches will work with what they have and bring up any deficiencies. Like we we did see some deficiencies in Evan Neal in his college tape, which I think we'll get to in due course. But you know, overall, he is just a solid player. He's a solid pass protector. You know, the one thing I'm looking forward to is maybe the Giants picking up a stunt and a, or a twist on that side, which is a thing they haven't been able to do in years. Also, having a an offensive tackle who can you know, kick slide fluidly, who can expand the pocket, pick up speed and power both off the edge. You know, like you said, you know, Nate Solder was kind of a turnstile out there. Matt Parrott, again, kind of a turnstile out there. Hopefully, we won't get the kind of extreme highs and lows that we saw from Andrew Thomas. I do expect bumps because he's a rookie. I don't think there's going to be quite as big of a roller coaster. Most rookies have bumps. Not everybody can be Tristan Wirfs playing with Tom Brady as his quarterback. And if we think back to... Andrew Thomas's issues in his rookie season, it really pertained to him oversetting him trying to account for speed, which opened up the inside counter move, which Andrew Thomas got beat by plenty. He was just basically undisciplined with his hips. And that wasn't something that was relevant in Evan Neal's film. I wouldn't say I feel like Evan Neal was very disciplined with his hands, with his propensity to punch. I don't think he necessarily really ever lunged into his punches too much. He timed them up very well. He varied them up as well, which I feel like is very important. You know, it's not like I'm going to hit this third foot and you're going to present your chest and I'm going to punch. There were times where he was waited, 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 and then he waited for the perfect opportunity to punch. And he would also, you know, one hand punch, sometimes two hand punch. He would vary the location up. And that's something that I like to see throughout Evan Neal's tape was his overall punch and how he can disguise it and how he can employ it in several different ways. Also, don't think the the hip issue is something that I saw on Andrew Thomas's tape either. But according to a lot of reports, when he got to the New York Giants, they were attempting to change up how he got in and out of his pass sets. And that's where all the issues really stem from. I'm hoping Bobby Johnson doesn't do that with Evan Neal from the tape that I've seen. When Evan Neal was asked to vertical set, 
he was able to do it very smoothly. He hops out of his his stance maybe a little bit. Like he, he his pad level can get high when he's really trying to cover the ground, and maybe his feet get a little bit narrow in trying to cover all that ground. But I don't really necessarily foresee that being a gigantic issue. From everything that I've seen, he's explosive out of that inside foot. He can cover a lot of ground, a lot of depth, and he gets to his landmarks in a timely fashion. So I'm excited to see the impact that he can have just from a pass protection standpoint. Yeah, there's two things you brought up there that I just want to take a second and talk about. The first is his punch. And like you said, he is very, very judicious and smart in how he uses his punch. You know, yes, he's got long arms. He's got a powerful upper body. He can jolt and stun defenders, but he doesn't throw everything into his punch. It's it's exactly as hard as it needs to be to get the result he's looking for. Yeah, that was one of the things I saw with uh, Iki Iquanu's tape, where there were times where he would throw everything he had into his punch. Like I saw, I saw a few snaps. Actually, it was really apparent against Jermaine Johnson, where Iki would punch so hard his feet would leave the ground, and that makes it tough to block. <laughs> you know, if you can't stay rooted into the ground, that makes it a little bit too easy for the defenders. With Evan Neal, you don't see lunging, let alone jumping at defenders. And that I think is important. That kind of, that, like I said, judicious use of his punch. And then also, you know, him being able to uh, cover ground and do so smoothly. That again, that helps with his uh, hand placement, his punch, staying balanced. But then also the pad level. He is what six foot seven and a half that is a very tall dude you know, even for an offensive tackle that's tall and i didn't have a whole lot of concerns about his pad level on tape because he does have a very flexible fluid lower body however he is tall he's got long legs so if he loses a little bit of uh leverage down below you know lets his knees straighten uh brings his feet a little bit close together that is going to compromise his pad level and that's something he's just going to have to work on and i think that could be one area where we do see the uh the rookie bumps in the road where he's going to be faced with speed even more often at the nfl level than he was at in the sec i mean, just stay in the division there's a bunch of really good pass rushers in the nfc east and there's a lot of good speed rushers yeah that is going to stress him and yeah. I think the thing we're really going to have to watch is how he responds to that. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yes, we're going to have to see how he responds to that. And I will say this, too, about Evan Neal, something that I appreciated. When he did have to cover all that ground and his pad level popped up, I don't necessarily mean that ever was an issue. It can be at the next level, like you said, Chris, if there are more speedy type of rushers. But when he engaged in contact and he was able to get on the defender, I felt like he lowered his lower half and dropped his hips to kind of recenter himself and reestablish his balance in the area of where he was while also maintaining contact and mirroring and matching. For somebody who was 350 pounds and that tall to be able to have that kind of body control and coordination is just flat out rare, which is something I'm very, very excited about as well. Yeah, definitely. Although credit words do, he was down to 337 for the combine. And I actually kind of like him at that weight, you know, in the 330 range. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be 320 or anything like that. Like he is just too, there's just too much of him there. Yeah, we we've I think we've all seen the pictures of him with his shirt off. He doesn't have a whole lot of extra weight to lose at this point. He's just a big dude. But yeah, that was something else I did notice between his sophomore season and or sorry, his was it his sophomore or was it his junior in twenty twenty? That was his sophomore season. Right. Yes. So his sophomore year when he was playing right tackle, he was heavier he that's when he was in that 340 to 350 range this past year at left tackle i thought he looked noticeably slimmer and noticeably more athletic and i thought that had a really good effect on his game just overall his ability to move his ability to like you say drop his hips lower his center of gravity to compensate for his just sheer height and kind of counter you know speed rushers who try to get low on him so hopefully he will he won't let his weight creep back up he'll stay on that yes hopefully and I don't have an issue with the pass set that I'm about to go over, but I do believe we have issues that we'll talk about a little bit later in terms of his run blocking and leaning into contact which kind of affects this one specific type of pass set because it's much more of a run 
run oriented type of block. And that's when he jump sets just because there are times when he does jump set that he doesn't bring his feet into the contact with them. And he brings his chest over his toes, which allows defenders to get into his chest and kind of use a push pull to throw his balance awry, which we saw a little bit against Zach Carter down there in Gainesville in 2021. There was a play where he jump set Zach Carter, Carter got his hands inside and just kind of shrugged him aside, but Evan Neal did enough to just basically eliminate Carter. It just looks very, very sloppy. Do you think the, the, when he leans into contact like that, which doesn't happen all the time, he jump sets. It's just something I noticed a few different times. Do you think that can be an issue? Because we know it also has cropped up while he was also a run blocker. Yeah, that that's another area I think he's going to have to work on and be very careful with. Yeah, NFL pass rushers, by and large, are very, very smart. They're looking for any and every opportunity to gain an advantage. So if they can watch his tape and find his when he tends to lean into contact like that you know like you say on his jump sets get maybe get a little bit out over his skis yeah they're going to do what they can to force that reaction out of him then they'll try to exploit it now there are going to be ways he can counter that he can work on it in practice work so he he is aware of his own tendencies and continue to work on just his technique his balance all of those things now when it comes to run blocking that is yeah that is where we saw it more often i noticed just specifically when he was blocking laterally towards the b gap that was when he would just almost lunge he would get a little bit high hipped stay have his upper body almost parallel to the ground and uh, really even more than lean into contact. And yeah, that was where it was most prevalent. Hopefully that's something the Giants will work on soonest with him. Yeah, because I do kind of anticipate the Giants switching to a zone heavy running scheme, specifically because of, you know, they're going to want to get as much out of Saquon Barkley as they can. So giving him as many cutback lanes as possible. And I also kind of expect the Giants to use a lot of zone reads with Daniel Jones. Uh, I've got some reasons on that. I'm going to be going to be having a uh, post on that go up sometime this week. So we don't have to get into it super deep right now, but I think if the giants have their offensive line blocking laterally, laterally, like outside zone stretch zone type plays, that's something they're going to have to watch out with, with Evan Neal. Yeah. Definitely. And I also think there's going to be more RPOs, which RPO you're executing your run block and just not getting too far down the field, which could also hinder Evan Neal in terms of if he does bend at the waist and just his overall effectiveness and how he looks on tape. But again, this isn't to say that he is a bad run blocker. We'll get into his run blocking portion here in a second, but I did want to ask you about one more aspect of his pass blocking. And that's his anchor, because I felt like he did a solid job absorbing power rushes and sinking down but that didn't necessarily mean he was stonewalling them like there were tackles that I watched throughout this draft that were absolutely just stonewalling dudes I felt like Evan Neal gave a little bit a little bit he got pushed back just a little bit we saw it against Trayvon Walker and we even saw it against lesser pass rushers how would you evaluate Evan Neal's anger um I don't really have any concerns about it he does give ground I think that is part of it is coach just using his footwork to absorb the power so you know 
instead of being so rigid that if you get a really powerful bull rusher, you just get put on skates to go backwards. He's using his footwork to absorb and dissipate the power. And also I think another part of it is again, just his height where, yeah, these guys are all incredible athletes, but you can't out athlete physics. And Evan Neal is working at kind of a leverage disadvantage, especially against a good power rusher who is able to get low, able to get under his pads. So when you have a guy who is six foot seven and a half, almost six foot eight. Yeah. That was, I think one of the problems with Nate Solder was just, he was so tall that a six foot three pass rusher is going to have, you know, five inches of leverage advantage on him just standing straight up never mind getting down and getting low so evan neal is going to have to figure out ways strategies techniques to account for that and i think part of that is using his footwork really using his footwork to help him stay low help him stay balanced to again dissipate and absorb the power as opposed to just pure stonewall yeah, I think you put it really well there, Chris. And I'm not saying that I feel like his anchor is an issue either, but you definitely see him get pushed back just a little bit. But he usually has the grip strength and the overall just technique to not allow himself to get beat, or at least he did at the college level. Chris, let's transition to his ability as a run blocker. We touched on some of the warts already. I, th- I feel like they were evident throughout his film. Like, I'm not going to lie, going into his film well before the New York Giants selected him, I was like, I didn't expect Evan Neal, the top tackle recruit, to be on the ground as much as he was. I felt like he spent a little bit too much time on the ground. A lot of them were as a run blocker. And it's mainly from what we said before, when he is blocking and trying to reach into the B-gap or scoop, whatever you want to call it. And I also felt when he was the play side tackle of the outside on those zone stretch concepts, he would get his, his chest over his toes. He would lean. And then there were a lot of times where defenders would just kind of assist his forward momentum downward, whether it be with hand use or evading him around the side. And then Evan Neal would just kind of fall off his block and slide off his block. I would say I'm a little concerned about that moving forward. It's something that we've talked about a lot pre-draft. And how do you how do you think that's going to look in year one? You know, I think in year one, it will probably look a lot like what it looked like at Alabama, especially going against the likes of Georgia and yeah, the, the top competition he faced down there. Yeah, it's going to be a process for him to work on his technique, get everything polished up so he doesn't make it any easier for defenders than it has to be. However, I also do think we will see him make some impressive run blocks because it was almost a little feast or famine with Neil when he would have those blocks, like you said, where he, the defender would assist him downward and he'd slide off his block and wind up on the ground. But then there were other plays when he would just get a hold of a defender and his power is difficult to deny where you would have to have an exceptionally powerful defensive lineman to not just get put on skates himself. You know, like Jordan Davis was about the only one I saw who, when Evan Neal got a hold of him and was able to match power with power, that there wasn't case of him just driving the defender off the ball. It, pretty much every other defender he got, he really got his hands on. They got moved off the ball. And that really did more happen more blocking downhill. You know, even when he was able to get defenders flowing laterally on zone plays, 
as long as he kept his balance and stayed on the block, guys moved. In terms of him blocking down, like say on a power gap concept around his backside into the C gap, if he were to block down on a four eye or a three technique, bye-bye. He's washing that dude down the line of scrimmage. Now that's a relatively easy block relative to maybe a reach block or a block like that. But he has that type of power to drive through the ground and just physically displace a defender off the line of scrimmage. Something you love to see. On base blocks, if he can just keep that pad level low, he can use that grip strength, restrict the space, and just eliminate guys. There's plenty of times throughout his film when he was doing that against SEC-level defenders and not just freshmen or anything like that. So mainly for me, it's just he has to work on that technique to keep his feet with his upper body so he's not leaning so much into the contact. I mean, a lot of things, you talk to any of these offensive line gurus, they always tell you it starts with your feet. So I feel like you kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier, and I think that was an excellent point by you. How do you think, though, since we talked about his ability to reach, his ability to scoop, I think he can do those things just to work on those warts a little bit. How do you think he could be as a puller if they decide to use him in power gap from the backside, pull the backside guard, pull him as well to the front side? How do you think he moves in, in that type of on that type of play? You know, I don't I don't really have any concerns about that. Again, based on his 2021 tape, he was a lot more athletic than I think I was expecting just based on his sheer size and memories to, you know, 2020 at him at right tackle. I think he can get out and pull. I think he can get out in front of screen plays and really stay ahead of the play, which you know, there are some linemen where okay, they've got fluid enough hips where they can open up and they can get out. But then after that, they don't really have anything left. They don't have just the foot speed to stay ahead of the play. And you wind up with either other linemen or the offensive player almost like standing there, tapping their foot, waiting for the blocker to get in place. I don't really see that with Evan Neal. I think he has, yeah, he's not a speedster for a tackle, but I think he has enough mobility, enough long speed, a good enough range, you should say, where we can, where he can be an effective puller. And ooh, I would not want to be a safety or a weak side linebacker with him coming around the edge at me. No, neither would I. And you know what? This seems like it should go without being said. But I've seen offensive linemen pull, and there's not that much pop on contact with Evan Neal. There's pop on contact. There were a, tup- a couple times against Arkansas where he pulled on an RPO play and he located the safety trying to fill the alley. And he just drove this dude like five yards downfield and just planted him. And there were several times where he did that throughout his film. He has the ability to finish blocks very violently. I hear a lot of people talking about Iki Aquanu. Aquanu has a, a much, much more ability to do that. He does it much more regularly, but You can watch Evan Neal's tape and you'll see him finishing with some violence and some chip on his shoulder, which is another aspect of his game that I feel like can translate once he, especially once he's comfortable, you know, hopefully year one in the NFL. Yeah. How did you feel about his accuracy in space? Because that's something I, you see a lot with offensive linemen, even athletic guys who are able to get out in space and get into position, but then, you know, they they just get like a piece of a linebacker. Like they they might get one hand on a shoulder and the block doesn't really ever materialize. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about uh, Evan Neal in those circumstances? 
Well, I feel like the concerns that we have with Evan Neal, that they can crop up in those situations because he does lean in. But I feel like his overall size, the angles that he takes, he p- typically positions himself in an area where the defender is going to have to make a good play to get around him. But like you said before, he's athletic for his size, but he's not the most mobile, the most athletic tackle out there. It's just kind of freaky what he can do because he's six foot seven, 350 pounds. Cause he's probably playing around 350, which weight management is a whole nother thing that we can talk about maybe here in a little bit, but yeah, I wouldn't say that it was perfect, but I feel like he positions himself well enough to force the defender to make a good play. If he wants to really disrupt the play. Yeah, and you know the those big violent finishes, those get the highlight reel clips. You know, the, you see those on YouTube, you see them on Sports Center, NFL Network, wherever. It, really, you just need a blocker to get in the way, especially in space when you've got a guy like Kadarius Tony or Wandale Robinson, who all they need is a glimmer of daylight. And if you can just force a defender into a bad angle, that's good enough. You don't need to bury them six feet under the turf. (laughs) Chris, you want to know something that's funny, man? And we didn't talk about this before the podcast. I have a question for you. It's putting you on the spot Uh and it's putting me on the spot too. So we're both getting put in the spots. I am not a hundred percent certain on where I land here, but who is the better prospect coming out of college? Andrew Thomas or Evan Neal? I think I probably would have come down with Andrew Thomas just because I like his body type a little bit more. You know, he, he's got a little bit more of a compact body type. You know, he doesn't have quite the same size, so you don't get quite those same issues with uh, leverage and pad level, but they're really close. Like I would have had Evan Neal right there with the big four from that 2020 draft class. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me because I go back and forth on this. I, I don't because I didn't do grades back when I that was my first draft I ever covered professionally was a 2020 draft, and I didn't necessarily have a grading system there. But I really liked Andrew Thomas's tape, and I leaned towards Andrew Thomas. I felt like he was a more coordinated and a more balanced athlete, and he stuck to his blocks a little bit better. But I wish I had a more um a more coherent way to really quantify which one I would have liked better but I think I might lean Andrew Thomas as well and hopefully though Evan Neal has a much better start because let's be frank Andrew Thomas had a slow start to his career but before we get out of here Chris do you have any concerns about the weight control rumors because there there were whispers out of Alabama that Evan Neal needs to kind of keep his weight down a little bit or at least that's what my research told me I don't know how true it is I'm not down there in Tuscaloosa but that's something that you look at and think maybe that could be an issue I necessarily don't just to preface that because I uh, saw what he did at the combine and he seems like a very motivated kid. Yeah. That that's kind of how I feel like he, he already seems to have gotten his weight under control. Like I, if I remember some, if I remember right, he was something like 400 pounds when he graduated high school. So yeah, dude, it, like legit, like that's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. That's, that was more than twice my size when he graduated and yeah, Seeing him slim down to play left tackle, uh, come into the combine at three thirty, the just sheer athleticism he shows, like he probably will always have to watch his weight, be disciplined in his diet, make sure he gets at least, you know, some cardio in, you know, go for some walks at every day, something like that, you know, 
that's a thing he's probably always going to have to watch. You know, there are some offensive linemen who have to force themselves to be over 300 pounds. Uh, Chris Snee, like we've seen pictures of him since he retired. He looks like a completely different man and literally half the size he was when he played for the Giants. Evan Neal, I don't think he has to force himself to be 330 pounds. He probably has to would have to force himself to be 320. Like he's just a guy who's naturally enormous. And with everyone like that, there, there is going to have to be attention paid to the diet, to the nutrition, to making sure you keep your weight in check. But I don't think it is an, a special concern with him, at least no more than any other big lineman. Yeah, and this is somebody who has been in the spotlight for a while. He was a top recruit of his class. He went to IMG Academy, which has just been putting dudes in the NFL, Chris. IMG Academy down there in Florida. I mean, just in the recent drafts, Cesar Ruiz, who went to the Saints, Kellen Mond, who went to the Vikings, Greg Newsom, who went to Cleveland, Andre Sisco, who went to Jacksonville, KJ Hamler, Grant Delpit, KJ Osmond. The, the names are just endless for who comes out of this school. And Ed Neal is the top recruit of all of them. So it says something about how long he's kind of been in the spotlight. But Chris, you have anything else on Evan Neal before we get out of here? I'm just looking forward to rookie minicam and seeing him out on the field. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for checking the Chris and Nick show out here on Big Blue View Radio. We will be going over the entire New York Giants draft class audio format. We have a bunch of articles already posted on Big Blue View about the draft class and the New York Giants in general. So if you want all the up-to-date news about the New York Giants, head on over to BigBlueView.com. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.